Welcome to the Awaken Podcast. At Awaken Church, we are passionate about wrestling with and being unraveled by the Christian scriptures. Ideally, we do this together around the table in the neighborhood of Bones. As we see it, Jesus has invited all of us to encounter Him in a diverse community and participate with Him in a mission of loving our neighbors. We could all probably sit in silence for a year at the words to the Magnificat, a revolutionary song. Uh, And I hope that we can make space for it here for the rest of our service together. Tonight's sermon um, is called, and and service, the whole theme of the service is called Seeking Sanctuary. Uh, Sanctuary is a word that uh, you might not hear very often unless you're talking about um, maybe refugees seeking sanctuary uh, or when the church is trying to find a little bit more money to reno the sanctuary, which is us uh, a little bit right now. But um, sanctuary, sanctuary, uh, essentially just that word itself means uh, a safe place. Uh, and, and I think sanctuary can be defined as anywhere that God's love dwells freely and abundantly. And sanctuary isn't always a place. Sometimes it's a person uh, that you meet who says, I'm here now. You are welcome here. You aren't too much. You aren't taking up too much space. I'm not out of time. I'm not busy. This seems to be the most common uh, exchange now when we reach out to each other. I know you're busy. However, If you don't mind, real quick, could I sort of claim this bit of your attention because I know you're busy. And sanctuary is that place where the person says, where the the people say, I have time for this. This matters. I'm here now. You are welcome. There's this obscure Dutch law. I think this is actually all over Europe in lots of different places and in some parts of the States too, but I heard this one particular story that made me really, uh, it really struck me this week. There's this obscure Dutch law in the Netherlands um, that forbids police from interrupting a church service. And one day in October in 2018, a family of five from Armenia who were fleeing from uh, the police who were trying to deport them, uh, this this family that was fleeing and had been uh, sort of refugees uh, and, and trying to just find safety, find sanctuary, um, this family of five entered a church service in the Netherlands. And uh, I can just imagine that small church, I don't know anything about it, but I'm like, what if it was awakened? Like just this small church with just a few kind of people who gather and, you know, don't feel like maybe they're doing much in the world, but this family of five entered the church during their service in October in 2018. And that small church, yeah, here's a photo of it. That small church service would go on to become one of the longest religious ceremonies ever recorded in history lasting more than 92 days, involving nearly 1,000 pastors and priests across various denominations and theological perspectives because the police couldn't come and take that family away as long as there was a religious ceremony being hosted and a service taking place. The whole city came together to keep that service going so that that family of five could have 92 days of sanctuary. The service ended only when their case was reviewed, they were granted temporary residency, new paperwork was drafted, and they were given sanctuary 
in that in that land and not only that because of that act of resistance that that little church uh, dared to, to enact, 700 other families who were listed in that city for deportation had their cases reassessed. For three months, that little family was held safe in the sanctuary of a little church called Bethel, which makes me very joyful because the word Bethel means house of God. I think this is what the psalmist is referring to when he says, better is one, one day in the house of God than thousands elsewhere, a sanctuary. And so, perhaps you've never been fleeing from a war-torn nation looking for safety with your children, but I have no doubt that at one point or another in your life, you have looked for sanctuary. And my prayer is that you would have found it. So reflect, ponder for a moment. Have you ever been given sanctuary? In a time of crisis, have you ever felt safe? Was there a place where you were held? Was there a place where you were attended to with gentleness and openness? Take a moment to reflect back on your life. Perhaps take a deep breath. Feel the way the chair is holding you right now. Have you ever been given sanctuary? Perhaps you can smell the baking in your grandmother's oven. Perhaps it's an old familiar smell or a song. Someone whose arms always fling open when you come to visit. I have a few memories. I think of my grandparents' house in Lakeview. Uh, I lived with my grandparents for a time when I was 16 uh, and another time when I was 13. Uh, my parents had a messy divorce more than once in my life. And I love them both very much now, so we've done a lot of work, it's okay. But when I was 16, there was a, some major uh, crises. Crises? Crises. And so I have a story for you. <clears throat> when I was 16, um, my parents had lived in Airdrie. I went through a very messy divorce. Uh, traumatic and my dad moved into my grandparents house in Lakeview and my sister and I moved with him. My younger siblings went with my mom but we stayed with my dad and lived at my grandparents. Um, my parents were preoccupied obviously dealing with a crisis of their own and I felt very much alone like a 16 year old girl uh, not really thinking I had anywhere in the world but I did have a boyfriend from Airdrie, uh, young love. So I spent a lot of time with this guy I even uh, was prone to sneak out at night and go and stay in his house with him when my parents didn't know. But it's a funny thing when your parents are busy dealing with grief. Uh, there's a lot sometimes they don't notice. And this went on for months. He kind of became my whole world. He kind of became my sanctuary, this, this guy. I don't know where he is now, but hopefully he'll live in his best life. Um, but uh, I loved him. I thought for sure I'd marry him. I already had the names of our kids picked out and all that. Um, and one night when I snuck out of my house, my grandparents' house, to go and uh, drive across the city to Airdrie to be with him, uh, there was another young teenage girl in his house with him, not me. And at 16 years old, I can't explain to you the, the wrenching heartache because my parents, uh, it was a similar situation in their marriage. And then I thought that, oh, that's okay. I have this, this lover, this, this boyfriend. But then 
whoops, <laughs> he didn't expect me to show up, I guess. And there was another woman. He'd had, a, he'd had an affair. He cheated on me. Uh, I was 16 years old. I didn't imagine that I could survive such a pain. Uh, I didn't imagine I could survive such a loneliness. So I think I just drove around a lot in the dark, crying and, you know, yelling in the night. But I did have a really good friend. Her name was Chantel. Her name still is Chantel, actually. Um, and uh, her parents lived in Airdrie, and they were lovely. Uh, and one night, this is not a story you'll hear pastor share very often, but perhaps you should. Again, I was 16. I went to her house late at night. I don't know how we got it because I was only 16, but I had a maybe a six-pack or a 12-pack of Lucky Lager, which is like the most disgusting thing you could ever drink. But I was 16, and my heart was shattered in a million pieces. And I drank all of it uh, in, her hot, in her parents' hot tub. Mm -hmm. And if you drink alcohol in a hot tub, it hits you three times as hard, I think. There was a lot of crying, a lot of snot, a lot of I hate him so much that I want to kill him, and I love him so much I'm going to die without him. And then there was vomiting and a mess, and I probably broke some things. I don't know, but I was like, when people say hot mess, I think they mean 16-year-old teenagers um, dying of heartache. Probably. I'm not going to lie. It was a messy, it was a messy <laughs> evening. But that's part of this, this story. I was just desperate to find something that would make my heart stop hurting. And at some point in the night, I was sleeping on um, their couch. Uh, I woke up, and I was just sobbing. I was just crying, just that lonely little girl cry uh, that I had nobody in the whole world. And I don't know how loud I was crying. I was still probably a little inebriated, but I was crying and crying and crying. And then suddenly, and it's probably like, I'm thinking it's got to be 2, 3, 3.30 in the morning. I hear a door open, and my friend's um, bedroom, I knew where it was, and the, the door opened, and, and the footsteps I heard coming down the hall wasn't my best friend. So I thought, oh, oh, crap, that's probably not the word I used, but... I'm in trouble because I suddenly remembered like I'm in someone else's house sobbing into the night I into a pillow that's not mine. That was a nice, lovely pillow. Um, and it was my friend's mom. And I think I kind of hid my head under the blankets like, shoot, shoot, shoot. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I have nowhere to go. Please don't kick me out. And she came silently. And I for sure thought she was coming to chastise me and be like, Is, did you barf in my house? Uh, or, I work tomorrow. It's probably like a Tuesday night. Like, what are you doing? Where's your that's not what she did. She came and uh, she sat where my feet were on the couch and lifted my legs up and sat under them. And I'm a 16-year-old girl, so I'm not much smaller than her. Like, I'm almost an adult. She reaches her arms under my shoulders and heaves my body onto her lap. And she just starts to rock me like a baby, whispering over and over and over until I fell asleep I'm here now. I'm here now. I got you. I'm here now. She didn't come to ask me about any of the mess or the noise or what on earth could be going on in my life. She just rocked me. I eventually fell asleep in her arms like a child. And then I woke up the next morning. She wasn't there. I guess I fell asleep. Or, and then she went back to bed. But I woke up. And it was kind of this moment of like, I don't really know what happened last night, but I vaguely have a memory of Chantel's mom holding me and me crying, and did that really happen or not? And it was very, very embarrassing for me, and I thought, oh boy, I'm, and I was like the Christian friend who was always trying to tell them that they should be Christian, so, you know, a complex, <laughs> complex shame. <laughs> and uh, 
So I kind of gathered all my things and gathered the cans of Lucky Lager and I hit the road. And then later that day after school, I got a text from my friend Chantal. Actually, we probably didn't text back then. It was probably a phone call or like a MSN message, I don't know. And it said, uh, Nikayla, my mom and dad are wondering if you would come over. They want to talk to you. And I was like, oh no, like I can't deal with anymore. What did I break in their house? Or, okay, be, you know, be a man. I got to go and apologize. And so after, after class, I kind of came to their house, knocked on the door, hanging my head. And her mom and her dad and her older brother were all around the kitchen table. And I was coming in like feeling ashamed. Um, and I walked in and her dad spoke first, actually. And he said, uh, Nikayla, have a seat. Sit down. Okay. And he said, uh, Nikayla, we're wondering if you would consider coming to live with us for a while. Uh, we are your family, and you are always, always, always welcome here. And so that's my memory of sanctuary, that when my whole world had fallen apart, and I thought I was as lonely as a human could be, there was this little family in Airdrie that held me and never asked a single question, never shamed me, never sort of asked me to deal with whatever mess I left, and they didn't judge me, and call me a hypocritical Christian or any of that, they just said, you are welcome here. And it was revolutionary in my life. Uh, and so the text today, there's a, a shot of it, is actually this story that many people don't notice. It's right before the Magnificat. Um, oh, you can go to the next slide. Luke 1, verse 28, uh, to just before the Magnificat, which I'll read at the end of the service. Um, it says, uh, the angel came to her, her being Mary, and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words, which means she was terrified, and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am only a young girl? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. In Mary's response, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. And I'm picturing this young girl. The angel's gone. Oh, it would be a stressful feeling, a terrifying feeling. Obviously, the thoughts of what to say to Joseph and what to say to your parents and those beautiful speculations that many, many, many a church kid's Christmas play have been uh, based entirely on. Um, and it says she didn't go to Joseph. She didn't go to her mom and dad. Um, but she got ready and hurried to Elizabeth's house. She hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. 
Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. I think of what I might say if I was Elizabeth. Maybe a, tell me again how this pregnancy happened. Do your parents know you're here? How did you get, what, like you'd have these questions, but her, her response was just an instant welcome, an instant sanctuary. Blessed are you among women. What have I done to deserve this, this uh, great company of the mother of, of, my, of my God? Could Elizabeth had known? That's the Christmas song, not Mary, did you know? It should be Elizabeth, did you know? that the creator of the heavens and the earth was being held in the sanctuary of Mary's womb and that Mary would be held in the arms of Elizabeth. A sanctuary within a sanctuary within a sanctuary. In Colossians, there's a slide for this text, um, Paul writes, and I love this description of Christ very, very much. It says, For in him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, Visible and invisible, thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, all things created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things are held together. In him, in Christ, is the sanctuary of the whole world, past, present, and future, everything, all of it, even this very moment, held together and sustained in Christ. The wheel of time held together in Christ and the fullness of Christ held together within the womb of young Mary being rocked in the arms of Elizabeth. You and I were there, I would say, in that moment, in that sanctuary. In the prophetic book of Isaiah, in Isaiah 49, one of my favorite passages, uh, my mom and I didn't talk for a really long time after my parents' uh, divorce, um, though I had Christmas with her yesterday, and it was wonderful. So in Isaiah 49, 13 to 16, um, God is speaking, and he says, um, Sing for joy, O heavens, and exalt, O earth. There's no possible way you can read that. I acknowledge. I apologize. So here we go. In verse 13. Sing for joy, O heavens, and exalt, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his suffering ones. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. And God's response to that claim is, can a woman forget her nursing child? or show no compassion for the child of her womb? It's a rhetorical question, because of course not. He says, even though these may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands, and your cause is continually before me. There's a quote by St. Julian of Norwich. Um, I love all throughout the book of Isaiah, God likens himself to a mother. And in, in this Julian of Norwich quote, she writes, Our Savior is our true mother, in whom we are endlessly born, and out of whom we shall never come. That all of the creation is sustained and held together in that womb. The sanctuary. Sanctuary is a grand spaciousness, opening and offering itself to you, saying you are not a burden, you are not too much, this is your home, welcome here. Take all the time you need. 
earlier this week, perhaps it was last week, uh, during sunrise prayers, um, Eric Reynolds is basically always there and uh, he, lovely and almost always prays. And Kai is always there, sometimes Belle. Uh, and we were reading um, a reading from Exodus. I don't remember the exact text, but it simply said, um, remember uh, and be kind and show mercy and give welcome to the foreigners. For you yourselves were once foreigners, was the text. And then when it came the time in the morning prayers to pray, um, Eric prayed and he reflected on that word foreigners. And he said it reminded him of all the new people at Awaken. Um, because he said, you know, there's a lot of new people that have kind of joined in the last two years and because of COVID and not being able to meet in person, sometimes it's hard to know who's new. Um, I think Eric Shorten came a few weeks ago for the first time in 18 months, and I'm really thankful for all of you who welcomed him and asked if it was his first time and how he found Awaken. It was lovely. Um, if you're new and you don't know who that is, he's been here for like 10 years, just kind of hasn't, you know, took a little COVID break, which is okay, we love him. But um, Eric said, ah, we should read this text, but say um, we should show welcome to the new people because each of us were once new people at Awaken. And uh, then in our time of prayer, we prayed for the new people at Awaken. And I was kind of struck by how many people found Awaken because they were looking for sanctuary. How many people came through these doors because their lives had fallen apart and this was a place where they felt the welcoming arms of God. I remember Rich Lang did a welcome two years ago up here, and he shared that his first month at Awaken, he just sat in the back row and wept through every service uh, and went on to become a, a, a very important and, and gift from God to this whole community. My own uh, husband David found Awaken uh, when, when his life had fallen apart and he received a welcome here. I hear stories from others of him rolling up to the Awaken retreat in Gull Lake at like 11 p.m. with a two and a half year old little girl. <laughs> and people are like, who is this guy? It's like, he's a man looking for sanctuary. I hung out with Glendon this week. And he talked about the open invite to Leopold's after church the last few weeks as one of the most important communities he's had in the last couple years. I think of my brother Chris who drives from Edmonton to come on Sunday afternoon because when he walks through these doors, eyes light up and say, Chris! I think of Darcy. If you don't know Darcy and you haven't heard some of his story, this church has been a sanctuary to him. Perhaps you haven't yet met Bryn and heard about uh, his experience of church and a need for sanctuary. I think of Anna. I think of myself and my family, and I think it's been a hard two years for all of us. Sometimes it's difficult to give sanctuary to others when you yourself uh, are in a place of needing it. But I look around. I have the great honor of praying for all of you all the time including all of you who are on Zoom right now. The elders every month pray for every single person by name. And I think we have all the tools here to build a sanctuary for one another. And perhaps if we opened ourselves to one another, we wouldn't just be held safe in the sanctuary that is the body of Christ, but we would be a sanctuary that would birth Christ in our world. You see, um, the story I shared at the beginning of the service when I was 16, when our whole, my whole family, my whole family world um, had kind of blown apart. Um, about a year later, my little sister, who was just then newly 16, um, got pregnant. And so a teen pregnancy is not something um, often, usually people are really excited about. 
And uh, I'm not sure my sister, uh, as this young pregnant girl, received the same welcome that Mary received, the young pregnant girl, with an unwanted pregnancy, no doubt. Um, my sister found out she was pregnant. I'm not sure I was a very good older sister to her at the time. Um, teenagers are already extremely hormonal, then you add pregnancy. It's a lot. No thank you. Not good timing in our life. Um, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think as a family we did better than, than many families would have done, but I don't know how uh, quick we were to say, blessed are you among women, to my, my sister. And why should we? She's not pregnant with God. Unless you've read Matthew 25 and you know that Christ is the least of these and it might have occurred to us then that perhaps she very much was. The irony was lost on me then that um, when she gave birth, uh, she named her daughter Trinity. And I think, what would it have been like if when she said, I'm pregnant, if we as a family would have burst open the doors of our hearts and said, blessed are you among women, what have we done to deserve such an honor? Christ comes unexpectedly. Christ doesn't come when you schedule the appointment. Christ doesn't, Christ's coming doesn't follow a script. Why shouldn't we imagine Christ's coming uh, exactly like that of a teen pregnancy? in the least likely, in some families, in the least wanted way. Sometimes Christ comes as a family of five interrupting your church service. Sometimes Christ comes like a drunk 16-year-old weeping on your couch at 2 a.m. when you have work the next morning. Sometimes Christ comes like an unplanned baby born into a fractured family. Christ comes through our door week after week seeking sanctuary among ones being held safe within himself. And so I ponder this week, what would our world be like should we open ourselves to the unknown? Should we open ourselves to be a sanctuary to Christ in our midst? Perhaps he's here now and we've not yet opened ourselves to Christ. What a paradox, this faith of ours, this tradition of ours, that we would be held within Christ, and yet Christ would be, be bor being born in us and through us. That we could be both in the womb and be the womb as a church, proclaiming Christ, hosting Christ, and sitting at the table of Christ. Should we be open? Should we expect the unexpected? And have you ever considered, my friends, this is what's blown my mind this week. Mary received that welcome from Elizabeth. She received that unconditional, open-armed, that you're welcome to stay as long as you need, take all the space, use all the Kleenex, whatever you need, we're here for you. She received that, and it was from that space that she stood and proclaimed the most revolutionary poem in all of the canon, the Magnificat. Revolution came after the welcome, after the sanctuary. It wasn't once the angel left, she said, aha, he's brought the mighty down from our thrones. She cried her way to the hill country of Judea and three months later was able to muster the strength to say, I am open and I see it now. Imagine what our world could be should we first offer and seek and experience sanctuary. We would hear the words of revolution. 
So we mustn't underestimate the power of the one who has known the loving, welcoming, healing arms of sanctuary. We mustn't underestimate uh, the power of opening ourselves to Christ in our midst. I heard someone say um, a couple weeks ago we were talking. I hadn't seen them at church in a long time, and, and I was like, oh, I'm so happy you're here. And they said, yeah, it's kind of freaky to be here. I'm not going to lie because I, I don't know anyone. I said, yeah, yeah, I understand that. You know who also doesn't know anyone? The people here. <laughs> so open yourselves. Christ comes unexpected in our midst, uh, off script. Thank you.